0: This is channel
1: 253. In this episode of Citizen Tacoma.
0: We have a, a, a duty to uphold the process and to ensure that it moves forward with our interference. I mean, you wouldn't want, I don't think you'd want us to weigh in and say, here's what I think should I, John Hines thinks should happen in this situation. That would not make it fair and impartial.
1: Did you know Channel 253 is
0: member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma My heart beats to blue. Citizen Tacoma I'll always vote for
1: back to another episode of Citizen Tacoma. I am your host, Eric Hanberg. I'm continuing uh, my series. This is part three on policing in Tacoma with uh, elected Tacoma City Council Members. Today's guest is Councilmember John Hines of District 1. And uh, let's get to the interview. All right. My guest today is Council Member John Hines. Uh, John, welcome to Citizen Tacoma. Thanks, Eric. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and talk
0: about, uh, the part of Tacoma that you represent? Sure. So, um, I'm Council Member John Hines. I was elected in, uh, 2019. So I'm entering my second year on the city council. Um, I represent district one, which is the entire West end of the city of Tacoma and about half of the North end. So border is right around the university Puget sound and everything West of there. Okay.
1: Um, I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I guess you, you've you had a chance to listen to a couple of the, the past inner interviews, um, so you probably have a sense of, of uh, what we're going to talk about and, and uh, some of the questions that I might be asking. Um, and I think that I want to I start with a very similar question that, that I asked uh, our, our Council Members Walker and Council Member Ushka, when it comes to questions of policing and especially uh, police use of force, could you describe your thinking uh, around some of the tensions regarding those issues?
0: Yeah. So I, I what I have been trying, what I said during a council meeting was that um, we're seeing, I'm going to take this a little broad, Eric, and then I'm going to come back to your question. Okay. You know, um, we're seeing a crisis of trust, not only at the national level, but at the state level and at the local level. Um, trust in institutions are at an all-time low, and so when we look at people's responses to the police department and policing and use of force, I, I think what we're seeing most importantly is just lower levels of trust. And so when people see use of force, when they see things that are happening, um, there's not trust that that's being done appropriately in the right amount in the right way I mean there's just there's this lack of trust that that they're that they're acting in our best interests in some of these cases and so I, I think that's the real crisis we're running into is, is trying to rebuild trust as much as possible in the in these institutions and the police department is a critical piece of that
1: do you see, Do you think that the reasons people
0: don't have that trust right now are are warranted? I think when you look at the news and when you look at all the videos that are out there, just kind of nationally, I think it does give people lack of trust in what's happening here. And I think also the lived experience of some of the people in our community or across our country um, show that uh, we do not... um, treat everyone the same when it comes to their interactions with the police department, which we know. Um, and the videos that you see, you know, all the time continue just to, to make that clear for everyone. I mean, I think it's now more visible than it's ever been before.
1: When, when you look at, you know, the city of Tacoma, you were talking more nationally. Yeah. Um, we have two incidents within the last 12 months and and they inform each other because the first one with uh you know the homicide of Manny Ellis not resolved by the time the next one happens and so there's this cumulative effect that i think um would would uh, and and again going back to previous plenty of pre- previous incidents before that that may not have been on film is that the kind of lack of trust that you're talking about because of
0: incidents like that yeah i i I think it's the, it's both that and just the, the speed at which these things are resolved, I think is probably the critical point of it. It's that, um, it takes so long for a resolution that I, I think the public and people start to think that there's never going to be a resolution or that it's, it's not going to be the resolution that they feel it should be. So it, that, you know, that speed, this, the process. And if you go back to the idea of trust, you know um, we have these systems that are in place that have been created in order to address issues around use of force. Um, And if you don't trust the system, if you don't trust that things are moving forward in a way that's going to reach that fair, you know, resolution, then it, it really makes it hard. It's, it's really makes it hard to like, be patient for the outcome, which is, you know, we keep saying, um, you know, that things are moving forward, um, people need to be patient. But if you, if you don't trust that that's going to happen, if the resolution is going to be something that you think is right, then then patience is really hard. It is. You, you, when you describe that crisis and trust, you're
1: talking about the community trusting the policing Is there a crisis in policing itself? Um, I I, I want to recenter the conversation on the actual officers. Mm -hmm. Is there a crisis there?
0: I think that there is a crisis in trust with the ways that our that police departments in general approach these situations, um, approach use of force, and I think Tacoma being not unique from any other kind of police department in our country, in the United States, Washington, um, there is distrust of when use of force is used. So I think that it's, it's both, I guess I would say, it's, it's not, I don't think it's unique to Tacoma. Um, I think that the distrust we see when it comes to use of force is just seen everywhere right now. Um, I know Tacoma's had had these two ma- these two incidents. Um, you know I've listened to people. there have been incidents in the past. Um, and we're gonna you know we're working to try to reform and address concerns the state of Tacoma um, every day. And they're also working on these same things at the state level and the national level. So I think that's we can both look at Tacoma as kind of this unique situation or a unique place, but it's also part of a bigger national and statewide conversation.
1: What are some things that you would like to see happen within policing in Tacoma specifically, yeah. if, if, if you can, to start earning that trust again, as you say it, with the community?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing I would say, you know, when you look at how to build trust, it comes back to, you know, doing concrete things to show people that you're, you're worthwhile, that they can trust you. Um, so when I started thinking about Tacoma, you know, early on, um, kind of post um, George Floyd, post kind of the Manuel's Manuel death, um, I put together a kind of a five point plan of things. I thought like, here's some things I think the city of Tacoma could do um, to address and reform policing. So things like um, body cameras, implementing eight can't wait, looking at things like CPAC and, and, and looking at its oversight. Abilities, its capabilities around oversight. C- CPAC, just to clarify. Oh yes, yeah. so the community's police advisory council. Um, and so, looking at models like the um, one in Seattle or the one in Portland, or there's one in Tucson where there's different oversight models. Our C P A C, community police advisory council, mostly um, oversees policy. Um, but there's other models out there that would you know, could we could look to, and I, I think that's been part of the conversation. Um, and then looking at Things like uh, the Hoots model out of Oregon, or the Star program out of Denver, which, to explain to the audience, um, looks at taking calls to nine one one that involve mental illness or homelessness, um, and there are groups of kind of community safety people that aren't police officers that respond to those calls. So, I looking at what we ask the police department to respond to, and and discerning if there are other bodies or groups that would be better off responding to them.
1: That might be called, you know, a, a defund the police model or a partial defund the police. Do you think that's an accurate description when you take or take uh, some of the the budget that's you know going to policing and devote it toward those mental service, mental health services, or homeless response, you know, I'm, and and. I, I'm. Uh, I believe the model, you know, still leaves plenty of funding for you know when the when the SWAT teams need to be called in because there's a shooter at the mall. Mm-hmm. But do you see that that's something that Tacoma should be exploring with those, uh, using some of that funds for some of those other services that might prevent even the need for some of the policing?
0: Well, so I think that to step to step back, you know, I don't agree with the idea of defunding police to pay for these things, Eric. Um, You know, I think it's it's an additional cost. It's something else we're gonna have to do. Okay. Um, you know, I I Patrick Sharkey is a criminologist out of um, I think New York, and he talks about the idea of you know, setting up these organizations along with the police department, right? Because what we don't wanna, I guess when we when people talk about defunding the police department and giving that money to other organizations, things that I start asking about is okay what's the time lag between when we're cutting police officers and standing up these other organizations? So how, what's the time difference? And if that means we're going to have fewer officers responding to the volume of 911 calls we have, and then this other organization isn't set up yet, that's going to put us in a really bad situation in the city of Tacoma. And so I think those have to be followed in parallel. I think keeping the police department at a current level of staffing and then adding these um, other groups, people that can respond to calls at the same time, and then using that to determine what kind of staffing levels we need to have in the police department. Um, Because my biggest fear would be that we take money away from the police department, we give it to these community safety organizations, we see a spike or a rise in crime And then the public's response is, well, look, we took money from the police department and we tried this community safety thing and it didn't work. And I think we have to have a proof of concept. And and so keeping the kind of the police department funding at the same level and then adding money to pay for these other organizations, like a community office, community safety, which is in the budget, I think is the best way forward to kind of see if this stuff actually works. Like if diverting some of these calls from a police department to a community safety office, does it actually help reduce all sorts of things that we don't want to see in our city? What is the office of community safety? So office of community safety in our most recent budget that got passed here this last year in 2021, um, there were some kind of startup money to look, to examine what an office of community safety might be. So the example I would give is Albuquerque, New Mexico, has this office community safety so they have a fire department a police department and a community safety department and that grew out of the fact that um, they were really struggling to hire police officers in albuquerque and so they started looking at kind of what calls does the police department respond to and if you know the police department is responding to homelessness mental illness um, welfare checks okay well we're having trouble getting police officers, maybe we start this office of community safety and we give them those things and we allow the police department to focus on kind of the crime that's happening in Albuquerque. And so we have money in our budget to do a study of what that might look like here in the city of Tacoma. And so that that will be part of the conversation in the years ahead. We start talking about transformation is, well, what would this office of community safety look like? Okay.
1: I I jumped in at one point. Did you finish all the five points on your five points for reforming policing?
0: Uh, No, I think you got the big ones. Um, You know, some other things that were in there were things like uh, looking at code enforcement. You know, I I think code enforcement, which doesn't seem like it's a big issue, but um, having good code enforcement that can, you know, there's been lots of studies about code enforcement officers that are out um, addressing um, nuisances, streetlights that are out, blight can actually kind of lower some of the crime rates in neighborhoods. So like there's lots of other things we could be doing kind of around the police department that I could make it function really well and kind of improve community safety. If
1: all five of your, your points were implemented, Mm -hmm. do you think that the incident on January 23rd would have gone Differently, or that the officer would have been held accountable in a different way?
0: I don't know if it would have made the, what happened on the 23rd go differently. I think it would, if we had a body like CPAC that had more oversight on kind of police behavior, that might work, change things on the, uh, the other end when we start looking at accountability of that. But I, I don't know if it would it change that. Um, you know, we look at it can't wait and some of the de-escalation. It, it may have happened with some of the training that came with it. Could have brought some of that down. But you know, the challenge is you know at the end of the day we have um, you know police officers just like anybody are human beings, and they're put in really difficult situations and training accountability um we do the best we can and um sometimes in situations sometimes happen that we then have to look at and and find process to investigate and make sure they're held accountable so it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough uh, way to adjust some of that stuff yeah do you think that pc fit
1: County I can't remember the fit. Uh is the right organization to investigate that uh or would you would you support what the mayor is uh, you know testified about moving this to the state?
0: Uh I think you know PC Fit is the current organization that is charged with investigating situations, use of force situations like that. So that's where it is. Um I do I, agree with the mayor that looking at having an independent organization that's statewide that can draw on resources from kind of across the state would be good. I think we've heard that from our community that they want more independent investigation. They want the, the investigation to be more independent. Um, and so I think that's a good, another way to do that. And and I think we talked about this earlier, um, you know, the current system of PC Fit is the way it exists now. But if that system is not desirable, or if, if people want a different, more independent or another system, then you know we can work to change that both at the, st- at the state level um, and examine a, a system that is better and, and people trust more to get to the outcome.
1: Regardless of who it is, the state or this local agency, what is a reasonable amount of time? in your opinion for the public to wait to find out, uh, you know, the results of an investigation for for use of force in these situations?
0: That's uh, a tough question. I don't know if I could probably answer that. Um, you know, I'm not an investigator, you know, and I think that's the, the real challenge here is um, how, how long does it take to really investigate a process to ensure that, you know, you have all the information you have everything you need in order to make a, a good decision. Um, I, you know, whenever you try to speed up a process, things get sacrificed along the way, right? And so it, it's a real challenge to kind of find how do we balance speed with accuracy, with due process, with um, having as much information as possible. I don't know. I, I What I could say is, the amount of time it has taken for the for the resolution with the Manuel Ellis case seems long, it, it's it it feels very long that we're, we're still here. Um, and so but I don't know what faster looks like. I don't know how I can give you a number of like this is how long I think it should take. That'd be something to ask an investigator.
1: I want to ask you about um, Manny Ellis. So. It was two months after uh, his death that it was ruled a homicide, roughly speaking. Almost three, something like that. Two to, it, it was a couple months, and so there was this sense in the public of like this slow drip of information. Like, like there was uh, his death, which was reported. Uh, there was then a couple months later the hol- homicide. A little while after that, it was revealed that the Pierce County officer was at, at one point on the scene. So there was this kind of this this drip, drip, drip of information, and a lot of it um, could have been re- announced or revealed to the public early on. Um, in my opinion, it, it seemed you know a lot a lot of it didn't come to light until much later. And I guess my question for you is, as a council member are you learning along with the public um, or are you hearing things maybe maybe you know at, at public public meetings uh, or in private meetings with uh, the leadership uh, but are you learning things before the public how does that work as a
0: council member yeah. <laughs> We learn probably about the speed of the general public, um, and and I think the reason is that these indiv- these investigations are meant to be independent, so you you don't want council members weighing in, shifting or changing how that investigation is being done. So a lot of it is kept from us, um, and it's it's investigated. And um, when you when you look at what I nine forty said, you know. People said we want this, in, this invest these investigations to be completely independent from the body that's involved with the use of force. So, if you look at something like the the incident, so that goes to Pierce County originally, where they're doing the investigation. So, we as a city council for City of are not. It's an independent investigation run by Pierce County, so we're not privy to that information. And then, when be- Pierce be- County before that,
1: for, for just a second though, there there was a period of time from, you know, March until June, I guess I'm, I am I want to ask about that period of time before we get to all the investigations, because I understand that, you know, some of those issues there. But does the council find out in March, this happened with, uh, you know, with there, there was a police use of force that resulted in, in someone's death before it was ruled a homicide? Is that is that reported to you as a council member? Or do you have to read the Tribune to, to, to learn that?
0: We get um, major incident reports from the police department every um, every day when when they happen. So we get updates for here's like the major incidents that happen with the police department each day, and then and that's that's our information insight into it. Okay.
1: Okay. I, I guess, um, and I, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to assume um, that they that that's a very cursory overview of what happened at an incident like that is my assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, is that
0: accurate? I mean, it's just the kind of the, 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 basic details of what happened there. I mean, there's not names or anything like that. I mean, there's still privacy issues around that kind of stuff, you know, what we're able to see and mm-hmm. not see, but yeah, just kind of what happened, you know, where, um, you know, where it was, addresses, things like that. So we kind of know what part of the city it's in, but very personal information. So the idea
1: that this was controversial in any way did not come to you in March around the actual time of the incident?
0: Uh, no. Okay.
1: Do you think that, that it should?
0: I, well, I think that was part of the conversation we had after this. So anytime a, an officer-involved shooting happens, right, that information is given to us. And I think the council made that very clear afterwards that we want to know more about when our police department is involved in these things, kind of know where, like, when they happen. But I guess I would say, Eric, like, the, the, the community has said we want these investigations to be independent, you know. So, we can understand like when it happens, but then when it goes into independent invest the world of independent investigations, then we are you know we like the public are kind of you know not privy to all those details because the investigation needs to move forward without interference. So, I mean, while I think it's good, yeah, I, I think it's good for us to know that these things have happened. I think it they then become they move into this other realm
1: where they're being investigated. I I, I, I appreciate what, what you're saying there. I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is when these things happen or when they're real, you know, when the information comes out a while later, either way um, the, 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 the community is looking to its elected officials for information answers and or other comments um, and that is a, a piece of this that, I, th- that I, I, I know a lot of people feel like is broken right now and I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess my point would be that when, when you say that, I think like, well, what does the, the public want us to say Specifically, because I think we've been very, you know, we, we go back to it's being investigated. We trust the investigation will be fair and impartial. And when the results of the investigation happen, we will act upon those results swiftly. Like, I mean, that's clearly what we can say. Um, to do you, tr-
1: do you trust that the investigation will be fair and impartial?
0: I, I, yes, I do. Okay. I mean, at, at this stage, Eric, I mean, I, ha- I mean, we have to at this, you know, as, as a, some, a duly elected official and somebody who um, is part of the system, trusting that that's going to happen is part of what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parts, you know, we can work within it to change things that we dislike. But um, I trust that it will be fair and impartial and we'll get a result. And that we as the city manager and we as the council will act swiftly upon whatever that result is in both of these cases. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, there's a, and I think you, when you talk to my colleagues, we have a, a, a duty to uphold the process and to ensure that it moves forward with our interference. I mean, you wouldn't want, I don't think you'd want us to weigh in and say, here's what I think should I, John Hines thinks, should happen in this situation. That would not make it fair and impartial. It would then, it would be then, would be an outcome that one of the council members had said, like, "This is what I think needs to happen right now," um, and that gets us away from that process. I mean that it that also, I think, inherently builds mistrust in the process when you have us stepping out and saying, like, "Here's what I think needs to happen right now," or "Here's where I think we need to go." I think it's much better at building trust in the process for us to say. This process happening and we will actually when we have all the information at the
1: end. I, I I get that and I don't want to linger on it too much, but 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 I I I, I hear that and, and it's something that's in different words been said by other council members through this. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I I what I guess I don't get is you know, if if we're referring it out to outside investigators whether that's at the state or another agency um, to, you know can it truly affect the process it, it feels like there's there's got to be some way that we can let our our council members speak more freely about one of the what is one of the biggest issues affecting our community right now
0: yeah I'm that's that is a challenge and I think what we've I mean, to say that we haven't said anything about it, I guess would say we haven't said anything about the investigation or what happened, but we talk all the time about how we're going to change the process going forward, what we're gonna do to reform, transform, improve. I mean, trying to focus on what was in our locus of control, like what we can do. I think that's where we've tried to put the conversation um, as much as possible. And I don't feel like I mean that's one of the things where you know in listening if people say well you all have been really silent on this and I know that's where Walker says this I mean I talk about this stuff every Tuesday in front of on a recorded in a public meeting um, about this kind of stuff and there there are things that you know we independent independent investigations right I mean that it is what it is right and then we talk about all the other stuff around it I think we have provided leadership on some of these issues around transformation, you know, um, what we want to see in the city of Tacoma, putting money in the budget behind certain things. Um, so I, I do think that we are showing leadership in the capacities that we can. And I understand that um, there's this area around, you know, independent investigations that are ongoing that they, the public wants us to say more in those situations. But, you know, we are sense, I mean, I can't speak for others. I would just say I'm sensitive of, you know, not influencing those those outcomes, you know? And that's, I mean, that's the, uh, the original idea behind I-940 was we want these things to be done independently. We don't want them to be influenced by the groups that are there directly involved. So trying to stick to that spirit is tough. Um,
1: you, you mentioned something and Council Member Walker mentioned the same thing about, you know, a weekly report uh, that's been happening since the last, since, since it sounds like June or July, um, about efforts to turn the city of Tacoma into an anti-racist organization. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's an opportunity where the city manager reports to you on efforts happening there. And it sounds like you can ask questions. Just as an example, um, you know, what, what did you learn in the last one? How, what kind of things are in, a, are in that weekly
0: report? Uh, you know, just lots of updates. I think this past week we got an update about um, kind of the body camera, body camera rollout and how we can kind of expedite that, get more of the body cameras rolled out quickly and what that looks like. I'm trying to remember what else we had kind of over But that was one that came, came up. We talked about the Heal the Heart Committee and just how that's currently moving forward. And they've met twice. What is that? Um, The Heal the Heart Committee. What is that? Yeah. Oh, so it's a, it's a group that uh, we put together, um, the city put together and um, of community members. And the idea, and the idea is looking at, as part of our anti-racist transformation process, that there are historic harms that have come of, systemic racism in our community and that this group is kind of working together to develop a kind of a reconciliation process, right? So where people, community members should come in and talk about the harms um, and share how these systems have affected them. And then kind of, as we're moving forward, what do we do to transform or reform those institutions, processes, systems, so that those harms don't perpetuate themselves. So that's another, a group that's currently been set up. Um, and we have, I think, 16 members. We did a lot of interviews for that. I can't remember the exact number, but lots of community members that are helping us kind of with that.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, with those weekly reports uh, that, that you're getting, do you have uh, confidence in, in the city manager to 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 bring forward the change that you want to
0: see? Yeah, no, I do. I, I think that she has done a continued to, as she brings these forward and from our initial conception from the resolution that was passed back in June um, has continued to kind of focus in on and, and, and get these things to, to move forward. I mean, if I go back to the, the kind of five point plan thing I had laid out, which a lot of my colleagues agreed on, you know, it's body cameras, eight can't wait, see I mean, a lot of those, an office of community safety, those, I see those pieces showing up in this process. So I, and I see as my colleagues provide comments and ask for changes that I, I see it reflected in how things move forward. Um, so I do have confidence that she's going to implement these things as we go forward. Okay.
1: I want to take a quick sponsor break. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about uh, policing in uh, district one. Hello, this is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Citizen Tacoma. It's no secret that Tacoma's real estate market is off the charts right now. And whenever I have a question about what's happening, I take them to everyone's favorite pod auntie, Marguerite Martin. I trust her for so many reasons, but one of them is that she's not trying to sell me a house. After 16 years helping Tacomas buy homes, she's now a professional real estate matchmaker. That means her entire focus is getting you connected with the best agent for what you need. She helps you find experts because no agent is good at everything. Marguerite knows all the agents and she knows their specialty. Tell her what you're looking for and she'll help you swipe right for your perfect real estate agent. She helps me and my wife find an amazing agent to sell our condo downtown. And when we are ready to buy our next home, we'll turn to her for a match again. Best of all, getting a referral doesn't cost a dime agent pays Marguerite a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing that you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. To get started, visit movetotacoma.com and hit the contact form. Thank you, Marguerite, for getting Channel 253 up and running and your ongoing support of local media. All right, we are back with uh, Council Member John Hines, and uh, I want to ask about District 1. So demographically speaking, I think it's fair to say that District 1, uh, as you described it, a lot of West Tacoma, a lot of the North End, is probably some of the wealthiest and, I think, widest parts of Tacoma. And I'm curious about when you talk to your constituents what is their experience with policing and community safety that you hear
0: from them? Uh, Yes. Well, and the other thing i point out, Eric, it's also the oldest part of the city, right? So I have, you know, the four largest retirement communities in district one. And if you look, you know, I've got a map that kind of shows percentage wise how many people over the age of 65 live in different census tracts and district one is by far the oldest part of our city. So, so when I, when I say that, If we go back to that conversation we said about trust, right? And what we see is older generations, right, tend to have higher trust in institutions, right? So trust in institutions is highest in your kind of oldest generations and then it decreases as you get, you know, closer and younger and younger. So with that, um, you know, they, my district tends to have lots of trust in the institutions, right? So when you look at our, community reports um, the survey data um, they tend to have a higher opinion of you name your city department and, and of which is the police department is part of that too and so I hear from a lot of constituents that um, are pretty su- that are very supportive of the police department um, and you know are ch- challenging me and my colleagues to be more supportive of the police department but then I also hear from, Kind of residents on the other side you know uh, during one of our budget conversations I said I hear from my constituents and I have constituents who want there to be no police and for them not to do anything and I have some constituents who want the police to be everywhere and do everything and so I just it's a it's a range but I would say for the most part the constituents I talk to for the most mostly are supportive of the police department and you know understand that there are some changes that need to be made. But um, you know they,
1: they tend to have more trust. I, I I appreciate that summary. It's a lot of confirming some of my assumptions, but I I just was was curious. How do you, um, how do you show up to council, uh, and and think about those things while also thinking about um you know the transformation uh that you know that that is needs that that you you voted for you know you want to see this this uh, you vote you you uh voted for a resolution for for transforming policing uh for turning Tacoma into an anti-racist organization how do those things all fit together for you as as you think about your role on the council and as a representative of district one
0: yeah and I think the other thing I'd preface is, you know, I grew up in South Tacoma. I mean, I'm a Lincoln alum, you know, so I, I grew up, you know, around, you know, in the South end. And so, you know, I've had lived in all parts of the city. So I've, you know, broader perspective. I think what it does for me is, and you'll probably hear me say this a lot. I think our previous, our earlier in our conversation, you probably heard this is I tend to try to acknowledge as much of the nuance in this conversation as possible. I try to, you know, to recognize that um, there are a, vast array of views on issues like policing and anti-racist transformation in our city and in my district and how do we how do we move that conversation forward how do we move our city forward and and in a way that brings as many people along as long as possible and I think that's kind of something I've tried to bring to the council is kind of point out as much as I can like that there are many different opinions about these issues and trying to get us to focus on kind of the, the, the things we can agree on and bring people around that. So when we talk about um, anti-racist transformation or transforming the police department, something I like to talk about is, you know, safety is the most important thing our city does, is providing a safe community. It's the most important thing. And most people are like, yeah, I agree. I agree. And then I, you know, I then I talk to people and my neighbors and constituents. I say, you know, but safety, what makes people feel safe, is different. Not everybody has the same agreement or same idea of what makes their community safe. And we need to have a, a an approach, a view of safety that's broad enough that it incorporates all of those views into it. And 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 really thinking about how do we how do we define safety in a broad enough way. Kind of bring everybody along, and so that's something that I try to keep in mind from the council. So you know, part the police department is part of safety, but safety is much bigger than that. And you know, in 2019, when I was out knocking on doors and talking to people, safety came up again and again. But it ranged from property crime um, that would involve the police department to pedestrian safety and and speeding cars. Right. So it's the range, and. So recognizing when that conversation is about talking about, okay, well, the goals we all want people to, we want people to feel safer, and recognizing how we provide safety to different communities, I, I think they they understand that. I think I've had really successful conversations around that. I, th-
1: I think that the struggle is not just people who don't feel safe around uh, policing, but situations like what happened on the twenty third, where the situation got more dangerous and less safe because of a police officer. Like, like obviously, I think the people doing burn, uh, you know, donuts and burning their rubbers—they were peeling around. Were it was probably not safe behavior, but it was not the the people on the street who. It was not those. Racer, I, I don't know if racers is the right word, but it was not them who sent someone to the hospital. it was it was an officer of TPD. And so it's not just feel. there's this sense where it escalated to an unsafe level that a lot of people, I think feel when they see something like or when they're there. Yeah. Uh, is that fair? Sure,
0: so yeah. Uh... What I guess I would say is, you know, that, so to like, so to kind of stop, step back for that, what happened on the 23rd, it's been very interesting, Eric, to to see the response to that as I'm, as I'm hearing from people. I think the mayor talked about it. Right. And it's, it's interesting. It's as if, you know, it's, we look, you know, the community looks the same video and I hear such a different response to that from different groups right so i hear some people who when they see that video the only thing they see is the racing cars and the donuts and how that is a risk to safety to the pedestrians and people that are there and the response from the police and then that the you know when the police officer approaches the people don't leave they surround the car they're pushing on the car and that the escalation is from the public to the police department right that's that's one perspective and then the other side is what you know the police officer rolls up and you know hits people hits people in the street right and so there's it's a really interesting dichotomy of people kind of looking at that and 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 seeing the same thing and coming to such different conclusions yet again why we need to have an independent investigation of this conversation but um the it's 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 really, I, I've been really surprised by just how different that conversation and talking to different people about it. But what, your question in that point was what, Eric? I mean, I'm trying to get, what was your question?
1: <laughs> I don't think I ended it with a question mark. I just think I, I uh, described, I described my, my view of it. And, and perhaps you, you could even say, you know, a, 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 a factual view, which is the racers did not send anyone to the hospital. Correct. And and yes. and so in that sense, uh, there there was there was a a an a, an officer who made the situation dramatically less safe than it had been before he pulled up. I, I and again I, I I'm not that's not a question but that is that is I think how a lot of people see it and how how I see it as as, as well. I've um it 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 seemed to me. That, um, that 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 it, it, it was it was made it was made much worse, um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure how we how we how we how we go forward from that. That's that's why I started these podcasts. I want to hear from other from the the electeds.
0: Yeah, I mean I think you've heard from everybody. I don't ever want to see a police car run over a human being, right? I mean I think we can all agree on that. Right, Um, the where we go forward is just then having a conver, you know, that the event, you know, what we then, but we we also recognize, and this is not, you know, my, you know, I'm not talking about for my, I'm not explaining my own perspective, but what we will recognize is that there are, mid, you know, we have to examine all the circumstances whenever something like that happens. So, like, should I should a police car ever run over? A person. I mean, I don't ever want to see that again while I'm on the council. Um, but the investigation will kind of determine kind of what, the, what happened, you know, why it happened, thoughts that were involved in the process, and then determine kind of what the appropriate response is from that way. And I think that's where we're kind of at right now. I mean, I think looking forward, you know, we look at policy and de-escalation and training. We can try to ensure that something like that never happens again I mean that's the goal
1: yeah um, do you do you have confidence that all of the different parts of you know are working towards that same goal of, of in in this process
0: the, the PC fit is working like that they're investigating? Uh, within in no
1: within within the city of Tacoma let's let's say that 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 everyone is trying to make that happen
0: yeah I mean I think so I mean I I, I have conversations with staff members with constituents with everyone who you know I, like yet again the idea of you know everybody agrees safety is the most important thing right and so having that so I think where the next step is is just like Getting as many people around to have that conversation, determine like kind of what community safety should be. I think um, if you were to, you know, if we were to say like you know we want to have a conversation about how to provide safety for the community, I think everyone would be part of that conversation, would be willing to work towards making sure things like this didn't happen ever again. Um, You know, and I I do feel like everybody is willing to work towards that as much as possible what do you
1: think if we were going to jump forward to february 2022 what are some what are some things in your view that that might have changed with um policing in Tacoma in, the, in a time frame like that is is it reasonable to think that some of the uh the 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 20% century policing um report you know there were like 64 recommendations is a reasonable to think that that some or most of those will have changed in in that kind of time frame um i, I think one of th- this this question of timing and time frames are one of the 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 the, the most difficult parts of this uh for people who um you know, want to see change happen you know yesterday or right now um, what is in your view a likely kind of outcome over the course of a year.
0: Yeah, I mean I I think we can probably anticipate that most of the CP, you know, that will once the 21 CP report gets to us, that they'll go through and those, you know, things around the suggestions around use of force, a community safety plan, um, looking at uh, critical incident board review board, all of these things the suggests they make, I would I, let me be honest. I mean, I, as someone who oversees the city manager, will be like asking consistently about how have these been put in place. And I think we can have a pretty good benchmark of these suggestions and having the city manager report out to us and the public how we're moving forward each one of those. I mean, I feel like we should aim to implement as many of those, if not all of those 21 CP um, suggestions by February 2022. I mean, I feel like or, a year or sooner, is if, if, yeah, or course, sooner if yeah, or sooner if we can. I mean, I would think some of those are going to move a lot faster, right? But some of them are just updates to current policy or changes to policy. Some of them may move a little slower, but I, I do think looking at what's there, I feel like we can have a pretty good. Um, we can get through most of them, and I think a year would be good. I, you know, but the part that, you know, I hear from people is oversight, you know, my, our job as council's oversight. So continuing to work with the city manager to ensure like, how are we moving forward on these? And that being a continued touch point is something I think we can do. Or I don't think, back. So I, do I don't think we can do, I know we will do it. Okay. That's good to know. Um, if
1: an incident again happens within that period of time, um, Does that, does, do do we, do we just let the process keep going with it the same way? How, how does that, how does that happen?
0: I mean, the thing about trust, Eric, is like, it, it takes forever to build and seconds to destroy, right? I mean, that's the thing, right? Um, So I guess my, while not speculating if an incident happens, right? The response would probably be based on what, that what it was right i mean um i do think we need to con- you know this is uh something that i talked we my colleagues and i have talked about which is like we're continuing to move forward on this every day like this while it may while reform and transformation and ensuring that we have the best you know you know the best you know safety you know operation the Tacoma is we're always working on that whether the public is paying attention or not. Um, and so we're moving. and you know, I think is if incidents arise, we can point to what we've done and it would just depend on what what it was and how we'd respond to it. In some cases, it may be we're going to continue to move forward at this pace. And in some ways it may be require a different response. Okay. But though I do recognize that incidents harm trust. And that's the, you know, that's a difficult part.
1: We've, we've, we've covered a wide range of things. Um, is there anything else you, you want to make sure we, we cover when it comes to policing and, and community safety before we wrap this up?
0: Yeah, no, I think something that I, I mean, I guess what I would say is, you know, something I align, something I tell people is, you know, my goal is that we have the best Tacoma police department possible like that we are continually working to improve to make it the best organization possible that works with our community to provide safety and is reflective and responsive to community concerns about safety so that, that, that's what's driving me for is how do we ensure that this you know that the police department is gonna be part of safety in the city of Tacoma forever. So how do we make sure that the organization we have is the, is the best one possible, that we have the best people wanting to serve our city and, and providing you know, a safe community for everyone? And um, I think that, uh, you know I, the other part I would say is I've heard from the community as you have too, that um, there are changes that people want to see there are forms that people want to have when it comes to safety, policing, the community, community safety in general, um, and that we need to continue to build, a, you know, a broad coalition support to achieve that. Right? We need to continue to have people buying in, building trust, moving forward, doing good things. Um, it, it as we go forward from this, and um, that's the work I'm really committed to doing. That's what I'd like to see us have do in the future. Thank you.
1: If, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Um, you know, the best way to, you know, to reach out to me is my email address, which is just a uh, council. And then the number one uh, at city.com.org. It's also john.hines at savescom.org but I, people find people think council one is easier. And then I do a, a semi-regular newsletter. I mean, it's about every month, but I also do updates. So if people are interested to kind of keep track of what I'm doing, what i'm working on um they can follow me on they can sign up for the newsletter and um keep up to date
1: all right well thank you and i appreciate you giving up a little bit of your super bowl sunday to uh talk about uh these these uh weighty issues so thank you for that
0: yeah no um i really appreciate the chance to come in and um talk about this i'm you know it's uh it's a really important conversation we need to have here in the city of tacoma and um I'm eager to, you know, be part of it and, you know, talk about, talk about it with anybody.
1: Yeah. Well, again, thank you for, for spending the time. Thank you. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Citizen Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer. Interchangeable White Ladies, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma,
0: Tacoman, Flounders B Team, Crossing Division, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.